0: If uh, you were not here last week, we started uh, talking about Paul's words in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, where Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And we focused on the first part of what Paul says, where he says, to live is Christ. You know... Let's just start with this. We're going to, well, I guess first, we're going, to, we're going to stay right here. To live as Christ, we're going to stay right here. Is that all right? Or you want a new message? Let me tell you what Peter says when he is writing. He's getting close to being crucified. Peter, not Jesus. Peter's getting close to being killed for Christ. And this is what Peter says before. I'm almost there. First Peter chapter one. I'm just testing you for second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse 12. Look what he says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you now and are, though you know, excuse me, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, his body, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must be put off my tent or must die, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. There are some things that we need to continue to be reminded. Amen? There are some things that we can't talk enough about. There are some things, there are messages you can preach every Sunday that need to be preached every Sunday. It's what we call, as far as the Bible is concerned, superior truths truths that are more important than other truths in the Bible. For example, the blood of Jesus is more important than the doctrine of angels. The cross on Calvary is more important than me getting a blessing. There are superior truths in the Bible that are more important. If you find yourself talking to people that are always talking about things that are secondarily important in the Bible, I'd be concerned. Our pastor was approached by somebody at the Russian store. You get approached by people there. We got one right down the street. And he, he's at this Russian store and somebody comes up to him and just, just wants to just debate with him. I told the, the interns this story a few weeks ago. And he just starts just asking him very, very, you know, like touchy questions. Questions that people don't like to be asked at church. And he just starts, you know, nitpicking, asking him stuff. And pastor's hearing him out here already he knows this guy. He knows what he's going to, you know, what he's trying to do. Anyways, he's like, Can I, stop, I want to ask you a question. This is the best thing you could do when people just keep talking. Just stop, let me, let me ask you a question. And so, uh, Pastor says, he's like, hey, I want, you, uh, I-, I want you to answer this question. Can I ask you a question? You've been asking me a bunch of questions. Can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. And Pastor says, what has Jesus been doing in your life in this season? And he stopped. He had a lot of questions, but couldn't answer that one. And he stood there with his mouth open, starting to stutter, trying to think of something to say. And then pastor saw that he was uncomfortable, didn't know what to say. And pastor said, you know, there are some things that are more important. Some things that concern your relationship with Jesus that are more important. And they left this discussion. A few weeks later, he ends up visiting our church. He comes up to pastor after one of our services. He gives him a hug and he says, I wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for reminding me the things that are more important in my life. Can I remind you a few things today? Last week we were talking about to live is Christ. To live is Christ. We went over five different things that that I believe this is kind of the process of how we are almost like aimed at a lifestyle of actually living for Christ or a Christ-centered life. The first thing is that we all go through this. This all happens to every, every person that comes to Jesus. We receive new life. We receive new life when we come to him. Tell your neighbor, you receive new life. Not a remodeled life, a new life. Jesus makes us new when we come to him. We don't just repeat a prayer and all of a sudden our, our ideology changes. There is something that happens when we come to him which is called new birth. New birth is connected to new life. I am made new. It's crazy. We don't even understand the depth of this miracle. I think the greatest miracle in the Bible, the greatest miracle today is when people get saved. Saved is not just a response to the altar. Saved is not just something you do at the end of a message. Saved is when you wholeheartedly give your life and faith to Jesus Christ. Confess him as your Lord and Savior. And in that moment, something happens that we don't see, that we don't understand. A person gets up, walks away, and he is made new. We are in need of God. I just want to say that. We're in need of God. We can preach messages. We can make altar calls. We can perfect the whole process. But my friend, it is God who saves. It is God who gives new life. It is God who raises the dead. It's God who takes someone that was broken, dead, washed out and begins to restore his life. It's God. It's God that gives new life. But the second thing we talked about is that we still have choice. Yes. We walk, we leave the altar with a new life received, but there's still choice that we have to make. In other words, free will. I have to now choose to live. Yes. Yes. I think this is where many go wrong because they leave the altar having maybe an experience, but, in, but, but maybe expecting it to, it's just, it's just like, almost like robot style. Now God's just going to live this new life through me. No, I got to go come back to church next week. I got to now open the word and there's a process now where I choose to live for him and this begins to all really make sense. The powerful thing about that is that number three, we're able to live this new life, not by our own strength, not by our own righteousness, but because he has given me everything I need to live this new life. In the the moment I'm saved, I'm not given just part A and then I gotta go discover part B. I'm given the full package when I give my life to Jesus and I am born again. I have everything I need to walk in freedom, to walk in purity, to grow in God, to attend the church, to be faithful. I have everything I need to now pursue God. Everything I need to pursue God. That is such an incredible promise for us because we can have hope, we can have faith, That when we commit our life to God fully, he does not leave you alone to figure it out by yourself. This was so important for Jesus that he reminds his disciples, he says, look, it's better for me that I leave. But when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and he will be with you. And I'm going to tell you, he will be with you till the end. Till the end, he'll be with you. And that's everything we need to live this new life. The fourth thing is that we have to now keep in step with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be led by the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this a lot in the book of Romans. He says, you must be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans eight fourteen. those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And I love the Bible continues to tell us, listen, the leading of the Holy Spirit is just you keeping in step. Keeping in step with him. It's crazy the little steps I can take that begin to long-term transform my life. In psychology, one of the things they teach you when they're trying to instruct people how to make a new habit, they tell them, you need to do the easiest thing that you can do towards the new life you want to live. In other words, if you feel like you need a journal every day, you need to take notes and you, you want to like, almost like express on paper, journal what God is doing in your life today, tomorrow. Don't start by, and I, and I tried this before, where you're like, you, you, write, you write an essay of what God's doing today. And then, and then a week goes by and you're like, I can't write these essays anymore, Lord. I'm not Paul, man. I, 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 I just want to talk to you. I just want to talk to you. But, he, but, but, but what they teach you is just write a sentence today. And tomorrow, just write a sentence. And, and maybe in your prayer life, you, you, you hear about testimonies, people that pray three hours a day. Man, one of the most condemning things I've ever received into my life, judgmental things I've ever seen in my life, just condemnation above condemnation and this weight of, of what I thought was holiness but was not holiness, was me trying to be self-righteous is when somebody comes up to the stage and maybe testifies about someone else's life and how much time they spend in prayer, and you're sitting there, a Christian, and you stop feeling like a Christian. Because you're like, oh, my gosh, he, he prays for three hours. I prayed three hours last month. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or last year. Um, but your prayer life, the, the, the great thing about your prayer life is you can start wherever you're at. The great thing about your prayer life is you don't, you don't need to hear someone's testimony about them praying for three hours and then go try to pray for three hours. You will be dead by day three. <laughs> and then we'll have to raise you back from the dead. <laughs> you can start with just a minute of prayer. And it's crazy, a little step I take, just a minute of prayer, just a verse I read, just a note I take, just a simple talk with God every morning or every night, these little steps, you don't understand that in a year you try to press in for three hours, but when you find out that 365 days later, you just took five minutes to pray every day, can somebody give me some good math? That's a lot of hours by the end of the year that you were spending with God because you're just keeping in step. You're keeping in step. And I believe it's impossible to be led by the Holy Spirit unless you keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It's not that he takes you and puts you somewhere else. You You take small steps and you follow him. You follow him. The Holy Spirit's leading is only possible if you obey him. When you obey him, what you're doing is keeping in step. Every now and then you'll get maybe an upgrade, a, 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 a bigger step you take, but you know, But you keep stepping. People that develop new habits or change the way they live is not monumental decisions. It's really small decisions that they'd make every day and they follow through on those decisions and what do you know, a year later, your life has changed. You're learning how to pray. You're learning how to be faithful in God's word. You're learning how to talk to him, how to share what's going on in your heart and your life begins to change. And this life that's led, people ask, okay, the Holy Spirit leads me, where's he leading me? As far as, as far as our life on earth is concerned, the Holy Spirit will lead us to the fullness of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He will lead us into closer and more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Not head knowledge, heart knowledge, revelation, life. The Spirit gives when the Spirit leads me in my walk with God, step by step by step, I'ma find a full, like, like a full well of life that begins to flow through me. And he's leading me into closer intimacy with Christ, into the fullness of knowledge with Christ. Knowledge that doesn't puff me up, knowledge that builds me up into being effective and being used by God. And the Holy Spirit continues to lead us, not just to have hope in this life. Paul says, if you just have hope in this life, you are the most to be pitied. But he continues to lead us that the hope we have is not something we already attained, but something we're waiting for. That as I continue to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and come closer and closer in my relationship with Jesus, a day will come. Where there will be no pain, no tear, no fear, nothing that is pulling me away or separating me from God, but I will behold him face to face and be with him all of eternity. Come on. That's good. Come on. Step by step. What, what, I, what I'm praying we leave today with, we're talking about to live as Christ, but this is What I want us to leave with today. Tell your neighbor, are you ready? ready? Make (laughs) room. Alexander is just on top of his game. (laughs) That wasn't what I wanted to say, bro, but (laughs) tell your neighbor, make room for him. Make room for him. him. (laughs) This is going to be our application today. To live is Christ. Amen? These words, I believe, because of the Bible, because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, they build faith. Every word that we're going to be reading or looking into to live as Christ. It builds our faith, but we're going to leave with application, and that is make more room for him. Make room for him. Make room for him. Let's just look at these words first. If you can get, I don't know, if maybe it's already on the screen. Philippians 121. Let's look at these words a little bit, and then we're going to go into a story in the book of Luke. For to me, Paul says, to live is Christ. Now, let's keep that on the screen. I'm going to just quote a few other verses. Uh, We don't have to put them on the screen. I'm just going to quote them. Jesus says in John that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Okay, here we go. John 1 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of all men. And 1 John chapter 5 says, and this is the testimony. Here it goes. That God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. I'm going to read it one more time. We need to hear this again. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this is, and this life is in his son. In Paul's statement in Philippians 121, he says to live is Christ. Now I know. I know we know this. I know we've been reciting. I know. I know we got it memorized even now. But let's just let's just think a little bit. To live. To live. Is. Okay. To live is already the word for those of you that teach English or know a lot English a lot better than I do. Live is already a subjective term where we are we are in action. To live. He says. Someone that studies saying like, yeah, yeah, I love that right there. I got that. To live. It's not we just receive life, but it's to live. To live is, this is in the process. This is a journey. This is where where we're at right now. We received life, but to live now. Continue living. To live is, I received life, but now to live is, to live is, to live is, this side, to live is, this side, young people, to live. Okay, to live is Christ. Now let's think about this. To live is Christ. What Paul does, inspired by the Holy Spirit, in this one sentence of four words, to live is Christ. What he's, you know what he does? This is what he just did. He just took all of life and the living of it and he put it in Christ. He did not take Christ and put it into living. What I'm saying is, I think we make a mistake somewhere when we try to fit Christ into our life. When Christ is just fitting into my schedule on Sunday. Now, the last last scripture we read in 1 John 5, 12, it says that all of eternal life, eternal life, Is in His Son. Now, are you ready? Can you help me? Are you ready? Can you hear me? All of eternal life is in the Son, and we somehow want to take Jesus and fit Him into our life. Uh, You'll get there. All of eternal life is in the Son, and we somehow have taken Jesus. And we have fit him in to our life. Now, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not picking at your words. Christ is in our life. But to live is Christ. I don't, and I think this is maybe where you have a lot of discouragement, disappointment, not misunderstanding, questions to God, is you're trying to take him and fit him into a place of your life instead of taking your life and finding it in him. Um... Let's say it like this. When my life is just Christ on Sunday, it's hard to live on Monday. When my Sabbath is just today, when I'm worshiping and listening to the word, but I don't have this tomorrow, that ain't Sabbath. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is my rest and my peace every day. Am I yelling too much? I'm going to yell more. I've taken him and I've put him into a place in my life. I think I'm hitting it on the dot for somebody because that was me. When Christ is fit into your life, here is the great danger. You will conveniently continue to live for yourself only giving him the place that you've allowed him to have in your life. And here's where it gets scary. You lose your job, you lose your life. Because your life is not in Christ, your life is in your work. Sunday I'm here worshiping, Monday through Friday I'm working like a dog to get my kids a future ain't nothing wrong with working like a dog to get your kids a future, but if your life is your work, when your work is taken away or when you get injured, your life will go with it. He protects us. He protects us by saying, to live is Christ. You lose your job. God forbid you lose a child. God forbid you lose your health. But if you are living in Christ, if Christ is your life, my friend, no matter what is taken away, you are protected. You are kept and made whole. You are in Him. Today, young, young, kids are getting, our young kids are leaving universities, colleges, getting awesome degrees. But they can't find a job. And their failure to find a job is their failure to even live a life is what they think. Ain't nobody hiring me. I've been waiting for a promotion for, for, for five years. I've been waiting to get a better job for ten years. Or I just got fired. I feel like my, my, I got a mess at home. Paul takes our life which is very, very small compared to eternity. And he places it in Christ. The process of your living, which is every day, every moment, your work, your finances, raising your kids, going places, visiting places, meeting with people, everything that entails what your life looks like, it's meant to be lived in Christ. You're going to be set free when you go to work, not just to go to work to make some money, but you're living in Christ. Men, sometimes for us, work is our escape. It's easier to leave earlier if things ain't right with my wife. Leave earlier. Have a good day of work. Get my mind focused on what I'm doing. Convince myself that this is more important when my wife at home just needs to talk to me when I come home. If I get more and more and more and more and more money in my savings for my kids to be able to go to college, but when I come home they don't have my time, there's something that I'm replacing which is more important. And you begin to discover this more and more when you are living in Christ. Living is Christ. And when Christ is your living, you begin to value the things that are more important than others. You begin to understand that it's better I come home just an hour earlier than get this thing done. I can do it tomorrow and I can get some time with my kids. It's better that 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 I not work on Saturday, not because I'm religiously following Sabbath, but because my wife and my kids need me. And I begin to prioritize things properly because I'm not putting Christ into my life. My life is in Christ. And in Christ, I begin to realize what's important for Him because it becomes important for me. What He values, I begin to value. Make room for Him. We can recite every Sunday for the next month to live as Christ, to live as Christ, to live as Christ. Echo, 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 echo. But if we don't make more room for Him, just good words. Worship team, come on, join us. Luke 24, I'm going to read this story. And we're going to go to prayer. I'm going to read. If anybody missed their Bible reading, I'm going I'm I'm to catch you up. We're going to do a lot of reading right now. And then we're going to talk about the story and we're going to pray. Luke 24, verse 13. Now behold, Jesus is now, he was crucified, he was buried, he rose again. These guys don't know this. And look look at the situation they're in. The road to Emmaus. This, This story is titled. Now behold, two of them were traveling. Remember that, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together. I love this there was two of them and they talked together of all these things which had happened so it was while they conversed talked and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and began to walk with them went with them but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know and he said to them what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are so sad Jesus is so sweet then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Like, are you know, where do you live? In other words, like, did you did you know what just went down? And have you have you not known the things which happened these there in these days? And he said to them what things? So they said to him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers, our rulers, delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early Astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is the most important. They drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated. He gave some kind of sign that he would have to go on farther. But they constrained him. They asked him to stay. They said, abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass, he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us on the road. And while he opened the scriptures to us. Make more room for him. A few points and we're going to pray. They were walking together. Phil, come on. Portland's yeah. not far. That's. <laughs> they were walking together. And the Bible says they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus. Let's stop right here. Walking with each other should happen more outside of this building than it does within. here and maybe somebody you need to come up to that you can walk with to live is Christ and in this kind of life you'll find yourself very often next to somebody else or maybe a few other friends that outside of this church you walk with you walk with and it's crazy as they were walking together they were talking with each other not texting each other not liking each other's pictures. Listen to me, yo, young people. They were talking with each other. You know what I'm finding out? It's getting awkwarder and awkwarder to have a normal conversation with somebody that spends a lot of time on social media because their personal their pers- personal skills or their their somebody help me out their skills to what's the term? Huh? Social skills. All oh, y'all know. The older people know what this is. Social. Some people think social skills are my social media skills. I got them, bro. Watch. I edit photos in two minutes. I post them in 500 you. 500 likes. I got social skills. No, social skills is talking with somebody. Social skills is having a conversation with somebody like this. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. We started somewhere. And most of the time, this is as far as conversations go with guys. <laughs> All right, bro, next dude. Hey, how you doing? Good, what's up? How you doing? Good. What's up? All right, homies, I'll see you next week. <laughs> but they were walking together from Jerusalem, and they were talking together. And it's crazy that they were talking about Jesus. Now, some of y'all, they have a lot of social skills. Can't talk about a lot of things, but as soon as Jesus steps into your conversation, ain't not much to talk about. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you you, you you ever heard somebody say this that goes to church? What are you, you talking about Jesus? We do that at church. She's talking about football right now, bro. Jesus doesn't play football. <laughs> you know what that's a sign of? Jesus is in part of my life, but he's not my life. Because it's easy for me to talk about everything. But as soon as somebody steps into my group and talks about him, it's weird for me. You know, let that discomfort be a sign to you. There is more for you, friend. I think we're making a mistake today. I love comfortable seats. I love, I almost said I love coffee. Oh my God. I can't believe I said that. This is what I wanted to say. I love that we have comfortable seats and I love that we sell coffee. (laughs) That we have coffee here in our church available for those that desperately need it. And we've done a really good job of our services and how we start, how we transition and how we preach and all this stuff. and more here we're focused so much on making sure you're comfortable now uh, I think this is where we have to draw a very 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 fine line ain't nothing wrong with comfortable seats and, and hot coffee and everybody said amen but if you're comfortable in the way you are living and where you're at right now with God this is the problem of the modern church hey, if you're comfortable, lift your hands and worship. You know, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, the most uncomfortable moments when I had to lift my hands for worship is when I needed to lift my hands for worship. The most uncomfortable moments when I needed to respond to the word and come to the altar was the most important moments in my life. The most uncomfortable situations I was in where I felt like I was alone walking through the valley of the shadow of death is when I needed to give God some praise. Is when I needed to get on my knees and start praying. The most uncomfortable situations in my life were the most breakthrough situations in my life because the Holy Spirit does not lead us to comfortability. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. People that are comfortable don't need the Holy Spirit. But those that are not comfortable need the Holy Spirit. He is a comforter. Comforter for those that live in Christ that follow Christ. We don't need his comfort if we're comfortable where we're at But when I'm not comfortable, he is my comforter. He's my comforter through the valley He's my comforter in the shadow. He's my comforter when I can't lift my hands when I can't pray He's my comforter And he will never leave me which means no matter how much hell I go through if he is with me there was more than enough to lift my hands, to lift my voice, to lift my eyes. And they were walking together and talking together, and the Bible says that Jesus began to draw near. He draws near because two people, just two people made room for him. Two people, just him and me. Two people, where are you going? (laughs) Two people made Your life, and he shows up. He shows up where he's invited. He shows up where there's room for him. Don't sit down I'm gonna cry, bro. Jeez, Phil. He shows up when I make room. I make room in my conversations. I make room in my family. I make room at night with my kids. I make room for him. And every time I make room, whether I feel it, I love that song, I don't feel it, I don't know how the song goes. (laughs) When I don't feel it, you're working. When I don't see it, you're working. Somebody make a rap song. That's going to be legit. I don't feel it and I don't see it, but he's working. He's working because I'm making room for him he's working I'm making room to him. the more you make room to him the more you're gonna be aware that he's there aware that he's with you aware he's in the conversation with your kids he's in the conversation with some guy on the street he's there because you're making room church is not this for two hours church is us walking together on the road to Emmaus Talking about him, making room for him, making room for him in our conversations, making room for him in our relationships, making room for him in our homes, in our workplace, making room. Yeah. And when there is room for him, he is always faithful to show up. He made it seem like he was going farther, only to see will they invite me in. And they invited him in. And when they invited him, invited him in after a long day, men after a long day, they invited him in. He breaks the bread, and they see him, Cruc- the resurrected, resurrected Jesus, who is our life today, to live is Christ. He is not in the grave. He is not buried somewhere people are trying to find him. He is somewhere people can't find him. He is at the right hand of God, a place not accessible to us to see. He's at the right hand of God. All authority has been given to him. His name has been put above every name. He is there. He is alive. He's alive. And they saw the living Christ when they were breaking bread with him. They saw him. We're going to get right into worship right now. What I wanted to invite you to, no matter where you're at, if you realize right now there's an area in your life, areas in your life, Jesus is here and the rest of your living is here somewhere that you are not giving him room. Maybe you're not giving him room in your relationships, in your conversations, and what you do outside of here, in your hobbies, in things that interest you. Give him room. You will find the room you begin to give him. You will desire to give him more. You will desire to give him more room. People, I talked about Jesus a lot. When I was just getting saved, when I just got saved, when I just got saved getting sanctified. <laughs> I, 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 certain relationships in my life I had people were just always talking about God his word and this I'm like dude these people are weird like yeah I love God man but like I got a life too you know the more room you give him the more normal it is that he's always there the more room you give him the more you want to give him room the more you invite him the more you desire to invite him more make room for Him. Whatever area in your life you need to make room for Jesus, make it right now. Make it right now. This is why we do life outside of church. Prayers, life groups, hanging out with each other, inviting somebody over for food. We're giving room for Him. We're giving room for him. And his, he is more. He is more than just a Sunday service. He wants to take over every area of our life. He wants to show us who he is at our workplace. He wants to show us who he is when we're talking to our friends. He wants to show us who he is in every area of our life. And my friend, there is more for you. There was more for you. And I'm not going to allow you to stay where you're at. In the, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit desires to lead you farther. That you would keep in step to come in and know Jesus more. Right now where you're at, I want you to stand up. And if you feel if you feel or don't feel what you know you need, to come forward and say, Jesus, I'm giving you more room. I'm giving you room in my relationships. I'm giving you room in my friendships. I'm giving you I'm talking to you